This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for joining me. It is very much appreciated. I hope you had a good week. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed it and uh, reaching the end of it, of course. It's the first time that we've not had what I feel anyway. I know we had a game on Tuesday when we played against PSV. It didn't really feel like... It didn't really feel like we've had two games this week because it was obviously a bit of a a dead rubber, wasn't it? So uh, I feel like I've been waiting for something to really get my teeth into regarding Arsenal. And and we'll get that this weekend. We will have to wait until Sunday, of course, um, because Arsenal play on Sunday uh, with Brighton having played yesterday. Uh, That obviously does mean, rather frustratingly, I think, for... For fans, um, that we have now fallen foul of these uh, Europa League or UEFA Conference League kind of situations whereby the games get moved to a Sunday and then they're not on telly for for people here in England. It's a 2pm Sunday kickoff. It's not on Sky. It's not on TNT. Um, There is no coverage here in the UK of that game. So... If you want to get coverage of it and you can't watch it for whatever reason, I'll be doing the live blog, of course, on the Football.London website, so you can tune in over there. But uh, yeah, I guess that's a frustration of the day. But uh, two o'clock kickoff, I can't like it, to be honest. I, I'm not a big fan of these evening kickoffs and the uh, the earlier ones for me are, are better. But I am being very selfish by saying that, so I completely appreciate those living in the Far East. Um, may, of course, have much greater difficulty with those ones. But thank you to those that have continued to join in the show this morning. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you can never miss a show. Right, shall we jump into the chat box? Maximius, good morning to you, to Jimbo, to Paul, uh, Old Dave, Good morning, Pam, Amira, Jose, Damien. We've got Carl, we've got uh, William, we've got Vala, um, we've got Bud and Rich and Olawale, Moabi, uh, Kaiser, AB, and plenty more of you guys and girls as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we will jump straight on to the stories. I should remind you that yesterday we did the, the phone-in of all phone-ins. That's right. We talked about 
Ivan Tony. Um, he who should not be named here um, was the entire focus of our recent phone-in show. We had some fantastic callers yesterday um, talking about their reasons why they do or don't want to see Tony at Arsenal. It follows an article that I wrote on Football.London yesterday, which sparked quite the response. Some of the responses to my tweet yesterday, uh, talking about my article with uh, <laughs> about Nketiah and how his statistics are kind of showing for me why I don't necessarily want to see uh, Ivan Tony at Arsenal, just because I think that there are better players out there. And he's not an investment that for me pushes the needle enough from Tony in this case. But uh, it sparked quite a significant amount of fury. If you want to give that article a read, you can read it on my page on the London website. Just type in Tom Canton, Football London. It will come up for you. Um, but yes, do go check that out. It's the last main upload on the channel in the video section, not the live section of the YouTube channel homepage. Now, there are rumours circulating that Brighton could be the game in which Thomas Partey makes his return for Arsenal. There's been videos circulating around Arsenal's social feeds, how real and accurate they are, whether or not they are just repeats of old videos that have been circulated before remain to be seen. I'm just letting you know that Arteta's press conference is going to be early this afternoon, so we'll be able to hear from the Arsenal manager about any of the latest team news, but of course, sometimes he remains relatively coy when it comes to explaining the latest regarding players. He was pretty coy on Smith-Rowe's return, and now he's suddenly back. Whether the same happens for Partey, we will have to wait and see. There was always these rumours that he was targeting a return for the Liverpool game. Brighton seems very quick. That's not to say that it's not true. I've not heard anything myself. But we should get some answers about Thomas Partey's potential return maybe a little bit later on today, if not certainly by the game on Sunday, because that will either confirm or deny those rumours that have been going around specifically um, regarding this game. So let's see what happens. Uh, Villarreal, according to James Olley, uh, and Turkish clubs are interested in signing to, uh, Cedric Suarez in January. The Portuguese international, of course, made his first competitive start for the club this week in the game at PSV. I wasn't particularly impressed with the performance. I know some other people raised that it was maybe I was a bit harsh, um, but uh, certainly the uh, I think the majority of Arsenal fans will be very open to the idea of seeing Cedric move on from the club in January. It's a space in the club. He's on a significant wage at the club as well. And because of that, I think moving him out and bringing somebody else in is the right way forward. That said, Arsenal's defence is pretty darn thin. Tommy Asu's stuck currently out. Of course, Yuri and Timber, we know is out for a long time. So how will we find a way to get the right players in through the door in January? Well, interestingly, according to Voetbol in the Netherlands, Arsenal are said to be interested in Ajax defender Joral Hatto, a player that I don't know all that much about until later yesterday evening when I did a darn load of evidence looking into what I now believe to be one of the most exciting young defenders I have seen. 17 years of age is all he is, and yet he is starting games for the Ajax first team. And not only is he starting games for the Ajax first team, he's played 15 so far for Ajax this season. He has even captained them in the Europa League, rather impressively. He captained them uh, in yesterday's Group B game against AEK Athens, in which they won 3-1 during the fixtures. Of course, Brighton in their group, winning the group with a 1-0 win over Aubameyang's Marseille last night. But Hato, yes, captained Ajax against AEK Athens and got an assist in that game as well. He can play and mainly as a centre-back, but he is left-footed and has played left-back 
for Ajax so far this season, four times, in fact, in a number of games. And we know how much Mikel Arteta enjoys players that can play in multiple positions in the field. And so for me, I think the, the best, probably easiest way for those that have not seen is imagine Yuri and Timber, who we look at as basically a centre-half. He was playing centre-half for all of last season for Ajax, right side of the centre of the back two or three. He has obviously played in full-back positions as well. And it seems that Hato is certainly that, or Hato, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Our, our Netherlands listeners are uh, maybe will be able to correct me on my pronunciation with some phonetics. Um, but uh, I think that he would be an excellent addition to the club and the right type of player. I've wanted to see Arsenal move for younger options. Again, still kind of moving for those real starlets that I think can, can develop into really top players. And when you've got players that are like Saliba of an age where he's you know 22 years of age, Gabriel is 24, turning 25, if not already, you know, we've got scope to bring in a really young, exciting defender who knows they're not going to get loads of minutes. What this deal would potentially mean for Jakob Kivior is a question that I would ask. Of course, we know that Kivior is being linked quite heavily with AC Milan at the moment. There is significant interest in him from Italy. So this could maybe affect Kivior's future. But either way, Hato, I think, represents a very, very interesting and exciting young defender who clearly has a lot of attributes that Arsenal and the recruitment team like, because Vertbal are a reliable in, uh, source of information from the Netherlands. So I have no reason to doubt that this information is indeed true. The headline story is a disclatia, is, uh, is what it is. Uh, Mikel Arteta cleared of his FA charge for his words post Arsenal's game at Newcastle a fair few weeks ago now. He will not face punishment for that interview which he held. He will not face uh, any issues with the comments that he made to me and other reporters in that press conference in Newcastle. I remember sitting in that room stunned by what I was witnessing in front of me in that press conference room. Mikel Arteta indeed cleared. Reading uh, the Guardian summary here, uh, use the, the quotes. Uh, Arteta was charged with breaking rule E3.1, which includes bringing the game into disrepute and might have resulted in a ban, but has been cleared of wrongdoing. There were no set sanctions had Arteta been found guilty, uh, but a fine or a touchline ban would have been the likely outcome. An independent regulatory commission dismissed the charges as not proven and in its written reasons, it was revealed that Arteta's evidence claimed the word disgrace has a very similar spelling and pronunciation to the Spanish disgracia. The Spanish word has connotations of misfortune, tragedy or bad luck rather than the connotations of the English equivalent, which suggests contempt, dishonour and disrespect. While, while the English meaning may lead to interpretations of abuse or insult, this was not the intended meaning. Um, yes, very, very interesting indeed. The full report you can read on the FA's website. They provide a lot of information about this. Um, they also reveal that Arteta's emotional state was flared up after the game when Joe Willock had told Arsenal players that he believed the ball that had led to the cross to lead to Gordon's goal had indeed gone out of play. So very interesting indeed that we find ourselves in a position where the Newcastle player, Joe Willock, formerly of Arsenal, of course, indeed also felt that. And apparently that led to a uh, a bit of a hike in, in Arteta's emotional state, which led to the comments that he made after the game. And it has been found that um, basically he he's not going to be charged. He's not going to be um, punished for this. Now, I did see a fantastic, uh, also another part of this, which I thought was, was really interesting. I don't know if fantastic is the right word, but uh, James Green actually highlighted this to me. On Twitter, he said, the FA versus Mikel Arteta written reasons are staggering. The FA contended that Mikel Arteta's status was relevant to the substance of the charge. Words spoken by someone like Mikel Arteta would breach FA rule E3 
even though a lower profile manager using the same words or conduct may not. I find this very strange. So basically what this is saying, for those that don't quite follow that, is it's saying that the FA seemingly thought that a lower level manager, if saying the same words as Arteta, would not carry the same punishment because they are not of the same profile of stature, of publicity as Arteta. Effectively saying it's one rule for some managers and it's another rule for other managers, even though the rule is exactly the same. Uh, I understand the context of what they're saying because Arteta is more in the spotlight, but you can't treat people differently just because they are in the spotlight more than somebody else. If someone commits a crime, if they are a higher profile public figure, they are no more or less guilty than someone who isn't who commits the same crime. Yes, it is more public. Yes, it's in the public domain and it's more likely to be seen, etc. But you cannot charge and punish someone differently just because of where and what and who they are. That is, in my opinion, discriminatory to any of those people. And you are making up different rules for different people. And it was agreed that indeed, no matter what Arteta's profile, he should not be punished in the same way. Because if you don't punish someone else, you can't punish Mikel Arteta. And this, of course, follows that story that we talked about yesterday in which Peter Walton linked, conflated Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp with the attack that we saw in the referee in Turkey a few days ago. And after Arteta is now being cleared of this FA charge, for me, it highlights the utter dangerousness, if that's even a word, um, that Peter Walton's words raise. Mikel Arteta has been cleared. Mikel Arteta has done nothing wrong. And so therefore, comments made by somebody to conflate and link Arteta's words and his actions and behavior with that of the actions of somebody who has assaulted physically another referee in another country are incredibly dangerous. And I hope, I hope something is done about that. And I hope that there is consequences to what I believe to be a very dangerous accusation. Right. Shall we move to part two? I think we should. And we can tackle some of your thoughts and questions on this and all the other topics we've got ahead of tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow's, but today's press conference and, of course, Sunday's game against Brighton. So here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, part two. If you've not yet, press that thumbs up button. Could you please help us out by doing so? It's just one little quick click. And it can really help us out. So if you could just drop a like on the video if you've not done so already or if you've not uh, done so because you're listening on an audio platform, you can leave a five-star review as well to really help us out. So do please do that and help us on our way 
to continue in the success of the channel. We are closing in. I think we're very close, in fact. Let me just get my phone. We're very close to uh, to 53,000 subs now. Uh, what we find is, obviously, we have a little bit of a lull during the transfer windows, which is fine. You know, people tune in and out when the transfer window is open and not. I understand why. But, yeah, we're just under 70 subs away from hitting 53,000 subs. So, if you've not yet liked the video, if you're not net subbed, I know that some of you aren't subbed because I check my analytics and it tells me that a large percentage of you that watch the shows don't subscribe because it just pops up on your YouTube every morning so you don't have to worry about it. Please do subscribe. It helps the show going out to more people. So thank you for that. Um, right, questions in the chat box. Questions and comments. Matt G says, Tom, what's your most controversial football opinion? <laughs> Why would you ask me that? <laughs> At the moment, it seems to be that I'm not keen on Ivan Tony. That seems to be my most controversial football opinion. Um, I suppose this season, I said this the other week, I said that I think that Jeremy Doku has not been any better of a signing for Man City than Kai Havertz has for Arsenal. And I stand by that. I stand by that of you. And I'm not changing. And I'm so glad. Literally, I said those words. I tweeted those words. And then Kai Havertz scored against Brentford. He scored against Sevilla. He scored uh, against Luton Town. And he's had he's one player of the month for November. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying. Apparently, me putting out these hot takes has a really positive impact on things. Um, let's go to boom, 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 boom. Rob says, "What some people watching are not subbed? It can't be true. <laughs> it can." And Rob joined us yesterday on our show. Andy says, you are wrong. A person in a position of high responsibility and influence should get a much more severe punishment like a policeman or a judge, etc. I only think if it is written in law, Andy, should that be the case. So if it is written in law that a policeman or judge, if committing a certain crime, will infer a significantly more severe punishment, then sure, if it's written in law, that's fine. If it's not written in law that a manager of a Premier League club should receive a different punishment to a person or a manager of a lower league club, then no. Just simply no. If the law doesn't state that, then no. So I can't be wrong because it's not written in law that way. It's not an opinion. That's just fact. That's just the way that the law works. Uh, Nathan says, if Partey returned and remained fit until the end of the season, would you keep him or sell him as the rumours suggest? I think, Nathan, it is probably time to find another midfielder. If that means that Partey leaves, it means Partey leaves. But just in my opinion, it's not necessarily the question about selling Partey. It's more the question about making sure we bring in another very good defensive midfielder. Joao Palinha, for instance, would be a great option for me to bring in to the club. Um, Chunho says, Tom Havertz saw your tweet and got offended. He played better. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think he did. I, I, I offended by my tweet back, bit like bigging him up. How, how would he be offended when I say he's a better player? Not a better player, sorry. Uh, he's a better signing for Arsenal than Doku was. That's uh, That was my tweet. So there you go. Uh, ben says, Tom, that's ridiculous. Doku is a bit raw. You can clearly see what he's bringing to the team every game. And it, looks, and it took Havertz a while to reach that level. Again, I'm going to use the, the the analogy, pancakes, waffles, pancakes and waffles. I think that pancakes are a better signing than waffles for Arsenal. Does it mean that if we'd signed waffles, that it wouldn't have been a good signing? No, not what I've said at all. It's just my opinion. I think Havertz is going to be a better signing for us than Doku is going to be a signing 
for Man City. Again, it's that whole thing of, that's ridiculous. How can you not like Doku? Doku's great. How can you say that? I didn't. That's not what I said. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's very easy to misinterpret my words. Uh, Chris says, Tom, do you think it would actually be beneficial for us to sell Rambo and sign a second goalkeeper that's lower quality but still fairly good? I don't think it's necessarily about signing someone that's lower quality. I think it's about signing someone of a different stage of their career, Chris. I think that's better for us. I think if we sell one of Ramsdale or don't sign Raya, then we need to go into the market and sign an experienced goalkeeper that's still capable of playing with the ball at his feet that recognises that they're going to be the number two uh, and they're also going to be something of an mentor to the starting goalkeeper as well. And I think that that is certainly a very interesting um, pathway for Arsenal to go down with the uh, the, the goalkeeper situation. Um, Mehdi says, do you think that now Arteta and Arsenal have been found not guilty by fighting the charge, we will have a bigger target on our back from the FA and the PGMOL or will they now back off? <laughs> um I don't know, is the honest answer. I have felt like Arteta's had a bit of a target on his back in recent weeks and months because of the comments. And I think that the the yellow card he got at Luton was a perfect example of that when you saw Chris Wilder run out of his box celebrating and get no punishment at all. So yeah, I do think that there is something to be said about there being a bigger target on the back of Arteta. But who knows if this is going to have a exponentially detrimental effect on Arsenal by actually getting away with this. My worry was that these instances in Turkey, for instance, might have an influence on the decision-making of this process and to, you know, they might throw the book at managers in the wake of that to kind of make a statement after what happened. I'm kind of glad that this has, has happened the way that it's happened because, as I've talked about before, I can't, I don't think you should be conflating those two incidents. I think they are very much separate. Uh, Nathan says, hey, Tom, do you think that rather than having an agenda or simply being incompetent, the mistreatment of Arsenal has suffered is mostly related to referee solidarity? Interesting question. I have often said that I just think the quality of officiating is simply not good enough. Um, I think that we have need to work more to improve um, the standard of refereeing. I think we need to work to improve, um, you know, the the ability to to bring in a greater um, variety um, of referees to the cause. And obviously, we've seen uh, in in recent days that actually we saw yesterday that uh, the Premier League will indeed induct its first female. Uh, referee Rebecca Welsh, uh, Welch, sorry, will take charge of the game between Fulham and Burnley, which is obviously fantastic. And we've also seen that the first uh, black referee for 15 years, Sam Allison, uh, will also take charge of a game over the festive period. Now, I know what some people say in reaction to this. Some people are saying this is box ticking. Some people are saying that this is just done for the sake of it. I think we've all seen tweets from certain individuals in the last few weeks that have kind of really tackled this point. Um, and to that, I think that it's, it's a very obvious strategy for me. The idea is that what you do is that you open up the opportunities to a larger pool of people. And I know that some people's response is, no, you should hire the people that are the best people for the job. By the way, who are you to say that Rebecca Welsh and, and Sam Allison are not the right people for the job, first of all? And secondly, the idea is that by opening up opportunities to a larger pool of people is that in the long term, you have a larger pool of people to get an even higher standard of the best possible people. Because so far in the world that we've lived, systemic issues have led to other people not being given opportunities. And so therefore, the best of the best that of present day and existing right now 
are not the best of the best that we could have got had opportunities been open to everybody for the same amount of time. And so to do to deal with that problem, we need to open up that. We need to open up the the pool of opportunities to a larger pool of people. It is as simple as that. Uh, Proper says, are you suggesting that potential refs exist outside of Greater Manchester? Oh, I don't know if we can go that far. <laughs> I don't know if we can go that far at all. Um, but yes, massive props to um, the Premier League for indeed inducting Rebecca Welch and Sam Allison into the pool of referees for the upcoming games. Fantastic news. Um, Okoye says, the refs know people are now paying attention to the treatment of Arteta. Uh, and they've chickened out of the punishment. I don't think they've chickened out of the punishment. I think they've just been shown, you know, kind of the... I think they've just been basically pushed into a place where they can't charge Arteta. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's good work from the Arsenal side of things. I think we could say that. Um, Chan Ho says, more diversity equals a higher standard of refereeing agreed on the direction they're going. You know, it's about the long term. It's about the the establishment of higher quality officiating in the long term. You know, decisions made now are designed to impact things for the future in a really positive way. It's not to say that they can't have a positive impact now too, but to get to an even better place in the future, we need to open up things to a larger pool of people. Um, Kingsley says, can men's sport just be men's sport? And the argument is no, um, it can't and shouldn't be. It's the, I haven't really touched upon, obviously, all of the stuff regarding the um, whether uh, females should be able to uh, pundit and commentate on the men's game. Because to be honest, I didn't really want to give any oxygen to uh, the individuals involved, uh, which is why I'm not going to name them for the algorithm to pick it up. Um, but I just think that it's such a horrifically weak argument. Uh, I was having a Twitter debate, you may have seen it, a few days ago with somebody that felt that way. And their arguments just fell away utterly and entirely. It's the same. There is no difference between the men's game and the women's game at all. It's the same rules. It's the same pitch. Same size goals, same size football, same size corner flags, same size pitches, same size lines, same thickness of lines. It's, it's it's the same sport, just played by a different sex. You know, that is that is it. That is that is the only difference. And when you play that game and you earn the honors that the likes of Alex Scott and Rachel Yankee, I'm coming from an Arsenal perspective here, Kelly Smith, you know, have, have earned. Why on earth should they not? be allowed to commentate on the men's game. It is the same sport. And for those that think that no, because it's to a different level and that the men's game is of a higher level, well, the women's game was banned for 50 odd years. So who are we really surprised? And why should we let the decisions of those discriminatory people that decided to ban women from playing football all those years ago, why should we allow those people to affect whether or not we give the opportunity to women to commentate, pundit, and have their opinions on the men's game. Now, I don't think we should. Otherwise, we are just as bad as they were. Anyway, um, there you go. I've touched upon that topic now. I've <laughs> given my thoughts on that. Um, let's go to... Boom, 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 boom. Um, Kingsley says, if there is no difference, then we should start signing female players for the men's team. Again, another empty argument um, because... As we all well know, the st like the standard is going to be different because I've just mentioned the women's game was banned for 50 plus years. 
So whilst the men's game was developing, improving the grassroots, was developing existing and, and continually growing, that we were never able to see the women's game get that same level of investment, same level of um, infrastructure. And so the men's game accelerated very quickly away from the women's game. Who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have happened if the women's game had been allowed to be played for those 50 years in which it was not allowed to be played because it was banned? Who knows? So the whole thing, well, why don't we see men's teams sign women's players? No, because the idea of separate, like the sex, segreg sex segregation of the sport is to A, actually, you know, help to support the women's game in its sense because it puts them into elite leagues, the best of the best competing against one another in that pyramid tier system, away from the men's game as well. And they're separated in that way so that we can celebrate the best of the best on both sides. So it's incredibly different in that sense. It's like the idea of, of putting the two together, it doesn't work. You know, and there should be very obvious reasons for people to understand why that's the case. So to suggest that we should combine the two to make a point doesn't work. And it does, it's not helpful either in any way, shape or form. What we can and what we should look to combine is what we can combine, which is the officiating, which is the coaching. I think that Emma Hayes is a fantastic coach. And I think it will not be too far. I don't think we're too far away from seeing female coaches coming into the men's game at a managerial level. I don't think we're too far away from that at all. And I think there are very good reasons why we're not too far away from that whatsoever. Um, and I think refereeing, of course, as we're seeing more recently now as well. So it's mad. I know that there are sadly some really sexist listeners to this channel that leave comments like, I don't come here to talk and listen about women's football. Like, if you don't, that's fine. You don't need to tell me about it. I don't give a flying you know what if you don't care. You know, it's your own tendencies that you've decided to grow up and, and adopt. So maybe it was not your fault. But when it comes to here, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> you know? so, so if you don't like it, you can go You can go away. You don't need to listen to it. So it's as simple as that. Um Let's go to um, um, boom, 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 boom. this is now where I have to be really uh, careful about reading out certain comments because I could already see some dodgy ones. Um, let's go to boom, boom, boom. a man like Sally says, if I had a female manager, I'd be gutted to let her down. You know, I'd fight even more. It's an interesting point. Um it's interesting. I guess what's from the, the the social side of things, like you, because obviously, if the first female coach is under incredible amount of pressure, you know, if to, to succeed in a way, because if they don't, you know what the critics are going to say. So, and I suppose that's the same. Like there was a, a few discussions yesterday about um, Rebecca Welch coming into the Premier League. If Rebecca was to make a high profile error, you know what's going to happen. It's like when you see. Um, the, one of the most sexist things I see on social platforms around football Twitter is when you see rather insecure men post compilations of the women's game where they're making mistakes or the standard of the football is not very good. You've probably seen them go around social media, you know, where you see those compilations. And like, I'm sitting there watching this with the, where the caption something like, this is the women's game, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there thinking, have you watched men's like football at times? It can be awful. Some Premier League games can be dreadful. The quality can be horrific. And yet we're making this compilation of like the worst of the women's game for people to kind of use it as a as a stick to beat it with. And we look at the men's game. There are some awful examples. Like the amount of compilations we can make of just Darwin Nunez's misses. Like, you know, you can make a compilation of anything you like. 
you can make any transfer target of Arsenal's look like Lionel Messi if you want. It's just so, so funny. So funny. And it's the insecurity of some people. Like, it really, really is. Um, the insecurity of some people. Um, Kingsley, look, this is this is the type of the insecurity. I mean, simple comment, men and women are not the same, is the comment that Kingsley has left. A, it's not even the discussion we're having, mate. The discussion is about whether or not women can commentate pundit on the men's game, which, by the way, if you need to, any information about what the answer is, the answer is, of course they bloody can. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it shouldn't even be a discussion. You know, some pundits are better than others. Trust me, I, some of the male pundits I have to listen to, I think, how on earth are they in the position to talk about the men's game? They might have won massive honours. They might have won the biggest honours in sport. Can they pundit on it? No, I don't think they can. And I find the punditry of a really poor standard in some situations, you know? And yet we can somehow say, oh, no, of course. I don't, during the, um, I think it was the 20, was it the 2018 World Cup in Russia? Um, Emma Hayes was a pundit, I think, for ITV during that tournament and was by far and away the best pundit in that entire um, broadcasting period. The best pundit. By a by a country mile, and there is nobody that could have listened, heard, watched Emma Hayes's punditry and commentary during those games at the World Cup and thought, "No, this ain't for me." It, the only way is if there is some undertone discrimination in the psyche. That is the only way because it was fantastic. It was brilliant. So I don't. I will never get. I will never understand why. But I guess there is something to be said about maybe education lacking at a very young age. But that is the only way. Because it's just it baffles me. It really, really does baffle me. Um, Aaron says, um, if women weren't allowed to pundit, we wouldn't have Laura Woods, who is basically awesome in every way. And I've interviewed Laura Woods. I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago as she got her brand new job presenting on TNT Sports in the Champions League. Laura Woods, when she was at TalkSport, was, in my opinion, one of, if not the best commentator and pundit on Arsenal, you know, and she is a presenter. She doesn't do she and maybe I'm underselling her here, but she didn't do as much punditry as she does presenting. But when she was doing her show on Talksport, Laura was fantastic at defending Arsenal, at bringing up really strong points about Arsenal, um, and defending them against Jamie O'Hara. Now you tell me, who would you rather listen talk about Arsenal? Who do you think is going to be better at talking about Arsenal, Jamie O'Hara? Or Laura Woods, I don't think it's that hard of a question. I really, really, really don't. Um, let's go to um boom, 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 boom. Uh let's go to name who says it's about time they get this opportunity. They they deserve through merit, but I question why it's taken this long. The pessimistic side of me thinks it's PM PR for the PGMOL. And this is obviously regarding the uh, appointment of both Sam Allison and Rebecca Welch. Um yeah, it's a fair question to ask. Why why is it taking this long? It's a fair question to ask. We should ask this question. There is also part of me that is is like, yes, let's ask this question, but let's also celebrate the fact that we have reached the stage where it's happening now. And this is great. And we can go forwards and we can talk about that and as a and, and big it up and celebrate it as well. Um, Paul says, uh, I dislike Emma Hayes because she's always rude about Arsenal. A <laughs> post-match interview on Sunday was probably rude. Look, she's the Chelsea manager. There is always going to be a uh, a defence against Chelsea. Sorry, a defence for Chelsea and obviously more critical Arsenal. And it's like, that's fine, Paul. You don't have to like her. She's not that high, you know, if she's not that high on Arsenal. But I just appreciate 
the punditry. You know, I appreciate the comments on football. That's that's the key thing with this. Um, Derek says, sorry, mate, off topic. Not a problem at all, mate. Uh, do you know when February fixtures will be confirmed? Will Burnley away stay at 3 p.m. on the 17th? That's somebody asking me because they're hoping to go to a game, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Uh, January's fixtures have j- only just come out. It should be usually, it's around a month or so before. So I guess we are closing in on that. That Burnley away fixture on Saturday, the February 17th, um, I it could stay at 3 p.m. Um, it Because Burnley aren't in... Europe, uh, so there wouldn't be a Thursday game. There's no midweek game now unless there's an FA Cup fixture to go in between that. We're not in the League Cup and neither are they. So I have no reason to think it wouldn't stay, Derek, at 3pm, but TV may change that. So sorry, that's not really that helpful. Um, it could change, though. I don't want to advise you that it's not going to change. So there you go. Peter says, Tom, any news on injuries to Martinelli? No, he wasn't injured. He just had, he was ill. Um, that's why he missed the trip to PSV. So it was only illness that kept him out. So there's not a problem in that regard. Um, let's, uh, Enigma says, so when a player gets angry at the female referee on the field, how will that play out? I, I assume the same way it would play out well, you tell me, Enigma. Why would it play out any differently to what it has usually? You know, players get look at Erling Haaland screaming in the face of Simon Hooper. Why would it play out any differently if that was um, if that was Welch's decision to to do that? So, or to make that decision, which was a mistake, you know. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> is the answer? Well, I have no idea. Uh, Man like Sally says, Tom, what are your opinions on Santi Jimenez? Uh, have you seen much of him? I've seen a fair amount of him now since obviously doing my little research trips onto different strikers that Arsenal uh, could indeed go for. Uh, I think that ultimately he's going to be very expensive. I think Feyenoord know what they've got. He's under a long-term contract. They only just signed him, I think, what was it, a, a year, 18 months ago or so. It's going to be very expensive, um, but he could be worth it. And I think he's in the bracket of young strikers that Arsenal need to consider, need to look at when it comes to um, thinking, considering who we go for. So, yeah, that's that's what I think on on Santiago Jimenez. I think he's fantastic. Also, I had someone leave a comment saying you pronounce it Jimenez because he's Mexican. Uh, he's not Spanish. You don't say Jimenez. Um, you say Jimenez, um, which is the same as the... Um, there's the Fulham striker, of course. So Jimenez, uh, not Jimenez. Um, so let's make sure we get our pronunciations correct on that. Um, Proper Med says, what about Bakayoko? He looked fantastic, didn't he, for PSV? Really did. He nearly moved in the summer. He was very close to moving to a team in the summer, I think. And I think a deal fell apart. I can't remember who it was for. Some people may be able to tell me. Um, pretty sure. Pretty sure. Boss Buddha says, as member, Tom, why do you always ignore my comments? Um, I, I I don't. <laughs> I have 888 people watching the show at the moment. So naturally, boss bubbler, I'm not always going to see everybody. Also, I don't uh, actually highlight member questions uh, separately. You know, members are people that want to support the channel. Um, the benefits that members get are that they can come into our Discord server if they're a TGT expert member or a TGT ambassador. You get access to the little emojis and stuff. And you can come on the channel when we do our preview shows. But some people can't afford to be members. You know, some people can't afford to pay the money to be a member every month. I'm really appreciative for those that do, you know, and they have helped the channel a lot uh, over the past however many years we've been doing it. But if I was to just pick out member questions, that'd be really unfair to people that, you know, can't afford to support the channel but would want to or people that, you know, aren't in for 
you know, doing stuff with like memberships on YouTube? Why should I discriminate against them in terms of their questions? So yeah, I think that's, that's hopefully answered your question. Um, Fuad says, did you manage to read the whole report, Tom? I got halfway through and I felt like I was back at uni reading a dissertation with Harvard referencing and I had to start. I've read most of it. Uh, I think the key points we all know and we've talked about already. So yeah, it was, it is one of those classic like reports that are written up and you, you know, who's to say um, <laughs> what all of it means. A lot of it is just filler. Um, but yeah, I think we got the, the main points. Um, Kingsley, I thank you for this reply. Big up the community. I love how we can have discussions without abuse. Great work. And this is what I mean. I wasn't abusive to you in any way. But I think that you're misguided in some of the views that you were talking about, about the, the difference between the men's and the women's game. But I appreciate you listening and, and coming back without losing your head because I know a lot of people sometimes do. Um, yeah. Yeah, honestly, some of the Twitter conversations I've seen over recent days. I know I shouldn't be surprised it's Twitter, um, but have been absolutely horrific, like really, really bad. Um, Walter says, what are your thoughts on Wenger's new proposed offside rule? Is this the daylight rule where there needs to be daylight between the defender and the striker? I'm not. I'm not, I can't say I'm that much of a fan of it. I think it promotes too much attacking play. I think what it will do is, is the effect it'll have on the game is that teams will just sit back even deeper. Like you won't get high lines. I mean, Ange Postacoglu will be screwed, <laughs> not entirely screwed with the way in which he plays. So, yeah, I'm, I can't say I'm a fan of it, to be honest. I think it would just promote more defensive play, um, even though it actually favours more attacking movements. I think it would just promote more defensive action. So I'm not that big of a fan of it, I'm afraid. Um, Aaron says, you may have already covered it because I joined late, but the Ozymen release clause looks feasible. Would you sacrifice this window and go all out for him in the summer, um, Victor Ozimen, I think the release clause being talked about is what, like 120, 130 million, something like that. Um, let me have a quick check. Release clause. Um, 112 million pound release clause is apparently what it is. He's set to sign one well, with 130 million euros. Is Victor Ozimen worth 112 million pounds? I don't know. I don't know. 130 million euros, 112 million pounds. I don't know. I, I'd need to do a lot more research, a lot more look into him as a player and a lot more analysis of the data as well. Because, you know, I'm not that keen on Tony for 80 million. And Ozymen, as a striker, is obviously of a level above Tony, probably two levels above Tony. Um, but 112 million pounds is a lot. It's a lot of money. And obviously, like, we've not yet seen him in the Premier League as well. So you haven't got, like, well, with Rice, you know, I wanted to sign Rice and I wasn't really fussed about how much he cost because he's played in the Premier League year after year after year. He's been available. He's been playing for England year after year after year um, since, like, you know, World Cup, what, 20... Uh, Euro 2020, um, World Cup 20. When was it? It'll be World Cup, World Cup 2020. No, yeah, no, 2018 was Russia, 2022 was um, Qatar. So, yeah, uh, I don't, I, I just can't imagine paying 112 million pounds for someone outside of outside of the Premier League, to be honest. It seems crazy, unless it was obviously someone who already got that Premier League experience. So, yeah, I, I really don't. No, uh, <laughs> this is a great comment. JKO says, if he's two levels above Tony, does that mean he's only one single level above Nketiah? 
as I've said, for the record, I think that uh, Tony, I think that Nketiah would score the same amount of non-penalty goals as Tony did last season for, for Brentford, which was 14. I think Nketiah would score 14 Premier League goals for Brentford if he played every game like Tony did, or like 33 games like Tony did. So, yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> he's not a level above Tony is in Ketty, but I just think they're not as far apart as what people think from a goal scoring standpoint. I really don't. From an overall, like, wide, you know, from their player profile, obviously, I think Tony does more of his aerial presence, his hold up plays. All round game is certainly better than Nketiah's. But from a goal scoring standpoint, you know, certainly Nketi is not exactly that far away, if even if, if at all, from, from Tony, because I think he would score 14 goals for Brentford if he was to be their main starter as well. So, yeah, uh, but I love the comment. It was very clever. Uh, Peter says, uh, the money for players is getting beyond control. Soon, only certain clubs will be able to compete um, and an elitist league will happen. Um, yeah, and I think we've we've already seen the threat of that with uh, the Super League, of course. So I think we're heading towards that anyway with the Champions League. The Champions League is turning into something of an elite league anyway, where they're going to start giving qualifications to clubs based on historical merit, which is ridiculous and should not be integrated in any way, shape or form. It demotes competition um, and makes a, a mockery out of it, to be fair. And it's, it just it exposes things in their plainest form. So, yeah. Ridiculous. Um, Malesi says, Tom, do you have proof that Ozerman is not like Lukaku? Uh, great in one league, but can't duplicate it in the Premier League. I strongly have a feeling that they asked the same time. Did you see Lukaku at Everton? He was brilliant. So I think it's more so that he can't do it at Manchester United was the bigger question. At Chelsea, he was decent the first time he was there, you know, before he made that, that switch. Um, sorry, um, when he went to Everton, he was fantastic. Obviously, he was kind of still coming through as a bit of a prospect. He did well at West Brom on loan and then went to Everton. He was good. So, yeah, the evidence certainly is that Lukaku did succeed at Everton very, very well when he was there. But when he went to Manchester United, it didn't work out. And I actually use that as sometimes an example when people say, you know, well, he's got Premier League experience, does Ivan Tony? Well, so did Lukaku. But when he moved, made that move to the bigger team, it didn't work out. So... It's certainly worth bearing that in mind as well, that just because you have Premier League experience doesn't mean that you are guaranteed to succeed. Um, Chaz says, I don't think Osman has a brilliant injury record and our luck with injuries for 130 million is maybe not worth it. I think when it comes to spending that amount of money, I'm going to be more conscious of the injury record of a player. You know, when it comes to like your 50 million pound players, there's less of a, uh, a, a focus on that, which if you were thinking in 2013, when we broke our record to sign Ozil for 42 million, it's kind of mad to be saying that now about 50 million pounds, isn't it? But 50 million pounds seems like chump change. It really does um, in the world of football these days. So, that's what I say. Even that said, you know, a fifty million pound signing would be Arsenal's in Arsenal's top ten most expensive deals of all time. Still, so Arsenal haven't necessarily gone out and spent, you know, big big fees. Obviously, we've had Ben White, we've had Aubameyang, we've had Lacazette, we've had Pepe, we've had Rice, we've had Havertz. Um, they're all the fifty million pluses I think that we've done so far. So it's not exactly like a. Uh, you know, like it's there's a massive, massive difference. We've got a fair few that are around the 30 million mile, like Vieira, Zinchenko, Erdegaard, Jesus. I think was 45 ish, Partey was 45. Um, but yeah, a 50 million pound signing for Arsenal is still a very significant one in, in terms of the history of, of signings that we've made. Hussein says, Is Osman even an upgrade on Jesus? Uh, we need someone who is a great in tight spaces and link up player. I doubt whether Haaland would be having the same impact at Arsenal like he is at City. 
I think the difference is obviously if you sign Haaland as City have is they change, they adapt, that they evolve. Would Arsenal change if we had Ozymen? I'm not sure we would because we'd still have Jesus, who Arteta rates highly. This is why I've brought up players like Lataro Martinez because I think Lataro Martinez is of a, of a style, of a profile that fits what Arteta wants in a centre-forward. And I think if you look to sign a centre-forward, you have to find somebody that can also link up play, that is creative, that is collaborative. You know, you have to find somebody that has those traits, which is also why I know that Tony has some of them, but for me, he's more of a traditional striker than anywhere close to what Jesus is. So I think you have to consider that when you're considering who you want to come in as another centre-forward. And that's what makes it so difficult to replace Jesus. Um, Amira says, uh, most would agree that Eddie would do as well slash similar to Tony in a Brentford team. So why is Eddie's value only a fraction of Tony's age potential where they'd be in their value in two years' time? Um, I think, obviously, because Nketiah has played at Arsenal and he's not been given the same level of frequency of chances as Tony has to establish himself in the same way that Tony has done at Brentford. Tony's obviously in his peak years as well, which affects his price uh, in another way. We often look at younger players increasing their price. But if we're honest, players that are in their mid to late 20s will cost you the most money because they are going to be leaving a club at their best possible time as a, as a player. So that, I think, is is probably one of the reasons as to why if Nketiah was in Tony's place, I think he probably would be starting week in, week out. And I think that he would be scoring a very similar number of non-penalty goals to Tony during a season. And then if he'd never been at Arsenal, you might have seen him going for huge amounts of money if he was scoring that many goals. It's it's just, I think, a case of situation, environment. I think it's very impactful in terms of what a profile of a player ends up evolving into. Uh, Proper says, uh, how do you feel about Trossard at left wing? Should Reese be the Martinelli sub instead? It depends on the game state. I think if we're going up against a low block, Trossard's great for that. If we're going up against a team that plays a high line like Villa did, I think Nelson's probably better for the job. Uh, ben says, how much should Arsenal be budgeting this transfer window and saving for next summer? It's not really about saving for next summer. That's not really how like the accounts work. Like an accounting year obviously works differently. This January window is still within the, the accounting year of of the summer transfer window we've just had. So we are affected and locked into those those financial years, if you like. Whereas the summer, it's not about saving money for the summer. You know, it's about the, what's spent during a single accounting year uh, when it comes to financial fair play. So it, it's a bit different to that. But I think Arsenal have some flexibility in January, but nowhere near as much as what some people want us to uh, to, to, to have. So So there you go. Right. Um, I think we will end the show there. Um, and uh, obviously, we've touched upon some obviously some quite wide ranging topics today and obviously some that are going to spark, I think, you know, plenty of emotional comments down below. My advice to people that, that will do that is to just stop and think before they type something out. Really think about what you're saying. Um, and if you are critical, use examples. As I've just asked in the chat box, I've you know someone's left a comment on based on what we've done today. I've asked for an example because you can't. It's really it's it's not right to make sweeping statements, especially critical ones, without having examples or evidence prepared. It's just not okay in my view. I think it's it's really poor. Um, so please do that. Um, please do drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. All that lovely YouTubey stuff. We really appreciate that. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning. Uh, for a roundup of Mikel Arteta's press conference, which is, of course, this afternoon, and then looking ahead to the game against Brighton on Sunday. Have a fantastic day, people. Stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. 
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.